family, what are we to think? And how are we to respond to anti-Christian culture, anti-Christian behavior, when our rulers and authorities and politicians or justices are telling us to ignore the scriptures, that the Bible is irrelevant, it has nothing to do with us, when there are those who call the Bible evil and look at evil and call it good. When the Bible says that which is evil is evil, or those that look at that which is good, evil behavior, and call it bad. How are we to act? How are we to live? Here at GPC, we're coming each week to this great book of short letter of 1 Peter. And always understand the context and the setting of Scripture. Wherever you are in the Bible, what's the context, what's the immediate setting, and what is the consistent overall teaching? So you look at that which is preceding and following, but then you look at the whole context. This letter was initially written to people who were going through extreme difficulty, crisis, hard times because of their faith in Christ and faithfulness to Christ. Peter calls them the scattered. They were literally running for their lives into various places because of the persecution and the suffering. They're dispersed to different places. They've left their homes. They've left their jobs. They've left that which was familiar. And Peter is writing them to give them hope for today and help for tomorrow to give them that encouragement they need. The principles are there for us. Help for today, hope for tomorrow as Christ takes you through crisis and hard times and difficulties. So who is it that receives these, this letter? I like the word, the who. I like the words that are used to describe. You begin with verse 1 of chapter 1, and you see these words that are used to describe the recipients. Here in chapter 2, the word beloved. You who are the beloved. Isn't that a beautiful word? Among God's beloved sons and daughters through Christ. If you're in Christ, he calls you his beloved. If you're in Christ, it means you are as loved by the Father as much as Jesus Christ is loved. Did you hear that? How much does the Father love the Son, Jesus Christ? That's how much. Whew. The Father loves all of those he's given to his Son. Beloved. Loved so much 
that God the Father gave up his one and only son, that whoever will believe on him will trust in him, will repent of your sin and turn to him. You can become one of his own, the beloved. But look, there in the very first verse, you're called his children, his beloved are called the elect. The elect. Yes, you're running for your life. Yes, you're going through hard times, but do you realize how much you're loved that before God ever created the world, before he ever created the world, he elected and chose a family for himself. And he did not base his election or his choosing on how people would respond. He didn't know that Tom or Sue or Bob would respond to Christ, and so he says, you're my elect. No, 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 no. No one will ever respond. No one will ever look to Christ because we're dead in our sin. Dead people cannot choose. It's God who elects. It's God who chooses. Those he elects and chooses, he's birthed them a second time. The physical birth, but born again into his family. And he allows his family to go through suffering. Suffering. For these, it was severe. He takes us through different kinds of suffering. It may be spiritual suffering. It may be medical or physical or financial. It may be the suffering of such tragedy and heartache in relationships and marriages and divorces, but it's suffering and it hurts. But he will enable us to rejoice with joy. Look at the scriptures. These are the words that are directly spoken or implied. You can rejoice with joy. It's there. He uses the picture of a newborn infant that is so hungry for milk. That newborn, he says, that's the way we're to hunger for God's word. Like a newborn infant. Okay. Then how are we to live in a culture, in a government? Here it is. What are we to do? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or supreme or to the governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Submit, be subject, and obey for the Lord's sake every human institution. Obey every authority placed over us. The believers under Nero, Nero wanted to start a new Rome, and so he burned Rome and 
blamed the Christians for it when they were innocent. The cruelty, the torture, the brutality against believers. Obey them. Every human institution. The founding of the United States. Was the founding of the United States, our founding fathers, rebelling against the authority of England? Was our nation birthed in sin? No. No. Always look at Scripture again, not only the immediate context, but what does the whole of Scripture say? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. When believers are told not to preach of Christ, stop it. In Scripture, we read that they responded. We must obey God rather than humans. Government. There is a time to say no to the authorities. Christian parents in China and other places, but specifically China, that said you can only have one child. And if you have another, we will abort. We will have your child aborted. Government authorities. Government authorities today in many places saying to people, if you convert from Islam to Christ, you will go to prison and we may kill you. But as much as is possible, we are to obey until they contradict Scripture. And when our authorities contradict Scripture. So here, whether to the emperor as supreme, the dictator, the president, or to the governors, God has established government. Initially, a good government will protect the good citizens and bring punishment and discipline to the disobedient. That is the intent of a good government. So that's what we're to do. But then he continues, what are we to do? Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants. How are we to live? Family, if you're in Christ, you're free. You're free from condemnation. You're free from the guilt of sin. If you're in Christ, God the Father sees you. Listen, he sees you as much as Christ is holy and righteous and perfect. How does the Father look at his Son? He sees his Son as perfect and holy and righteous. And that's what Will was teaching all of us today. Christ taking our filth upon himself and giving us his perfection. That's freedom. What are you going to do with that freedom? Do not use it 
to indulge in selfish pleasures. But take that freedom and use it as a slave. Yeah, take that freedom and use it as a slave's of righteousness, not to indulge in evil. The Bible also tells us that we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Though we have his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection, we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. There are consequences for our behavior. Those who are in Christ You're free in him. You're holy in him. But if you choose to indulge in an affair, adulterous behavior, there are consequences. You choose to engage in theft and robbery, there are consequences. If you choose in such fits of rage to kill someone, consequences free in Christ yes but don't use that freedom as a cover up to engage in evil behavior but use it as a servant slave of Christ and for the good of others then he tells us how we're to use that freedom look at these words Honor everyone. Those are the words that are used here in the text. Honor everyone. Show a respect. Honoring the emperor. Now that can be hard. If you're a Republican, if you're to show respect to a Democratic president. You're a Democrat, libertarian, whatever your political beliefs, you're to show respect. We are to the one who is placed over us. Doesn't mean we agree with them. Doesn't mean we like their behavior, but there's a proper honor and respect here. They're told to honor the emperor who could be wicked, evil, tyrant, Nero. Yeah. Honor, respect the emperor and love the brotherhood. I like that. It's not a word we use, brotherhood. It means family. Not just your family, but the family of Christ. You show love to them. Not only those who you really enjoy and like, but those out there who are also in the family. Around us and throughout the world. Okay, well, what does that look like? It's easy to say, love everyone. Love the family. How does it look? What does it look like? Scripture tells us. Look at these words that describe it's being patient with one another. 
I am the most impatient person there is. You're patient. You show kindness. You don't envy them and what they have and what they've achieved. You don't boast. You're not proud. You're not rude. Just last night, I had to ask my wife to forgive me because I was rude in my answer to her. I was rude. Not demanding your own way. That's how we live it out. Demanding my own way. I know it's simple. Again, this is not just your immediate family. It is. But then the broader family as a whole. When our children were young, we had a family tradition of making blueberry pancakes on Saturday morning. Big, big deal. Blueberry pancakes. Well, Glenda had her way of making them, and I had my way. Everyone knows you put the batter in first, and then the liquids. Everyone does that. Until my wife corrected me. No, no, no. You put the liquid in first. And then the batter. I know that's simple. No. You do it my way. You do it my way. Family, life is full of dying to your own way. Then the family. Not easily angered. Not keeping a record of wrong. There you do it again and again and again. When are you going to stop it? How many times do I have to? No. Not keeping a record of wrong. And you're not happy when others fail. That person you don't like, that politician, that they got caught. No. No. Keeps no record of wrong and do not rejoice when others fail. But you're happy with the truth. What does he say? Then he says, what are we to do? Fear God. Fear God. What does it mean to fear God? It means to have the greatest respect possible, the highest, deepest reverence. When you're going through a hard crisis, a hard time, when you're going through such difficulty, what is God saying? Reverence him. Respect him. Look at what the psalmist said. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Father, we're going to fear you together. We're going to reverence you together. Fear God, the greatest respect, the highest, deepest reverence. Psalm 119. 
Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. Don't you love that? How do you want people to respond when they see you and hear your name? From Psalm 119, verse 74. I just love it. May those out there who fear Christ, when they see you, may their hearts rejoice because they know you as one who've placed your hope in God's word. That you're another God-fearing, reverence person. I love that. What do people think when they see you? When they see me. Psalm 119, 120, 120. My flesh trembles for fear of you. And I am afraid of your judgments. Lord, I just want, my whole body is affected with such respect for you. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes 12. Solomon. Family, study, learn of Solomon. The wealthiest man. Solomon had access to his wives, to his girlfriends, to a thousand different women. A thousand. That's what the scripture says. Wealth, intelligence. He looked back over his life. This is how he summarized all he had, everything he had achieved. He could have anyone and anything he could want. And he looked back over life and look what he said. Here's the bottom line. Here's the end of the matter. When all has been heard, the bottom line is this. Fear God. Reverence, respect God the Father through Jesus Christ. Have the Bible as your authority. Keep his commandments for this is the whole duty. Of humanity, men and women, boys and girls. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's the bottom line, guys. The whole of life is summarized. Lord, give us that reverence, that fear, that respect of you. Humility and the fear of the Lord brings wealth, honor, and life. Pursue that above all else. Oh, family, how are we to respond? Please, how? How are we to respond? We've got to be in the Word and have the Word in you. You've got to have the Word in the Word and having the Word in you. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I'll not sin against you. How are you doing, family? Are you in the word? Is the word a part of your appetite, part of your daily schedule, but not only alone when you're alone, but as a family? Are you coming together with others? 
Let's read together. Let's study together. Let's grow together. Let's be a part of a women to women and men to men and couples or singles. In the word together, praying together, seeking correction together, encouragement together, welcoming discipline by others. How are you doing? How are you doing? Do you have people involved in your life speaking truth to you? Are you seeking correction? Seeking encouragement? Are you welcoming disciplining by others? It's the family together. Living out Christ. Again, family, it goes back to Christ. It begins with Christ. It continues with Christ. It ends with Christ. Christ did not ever sin, and yet he willingly became sin so that you through him can become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Let's live this way before a watching and listening world that they may come to know Christ. Live this way for his sake. And as a way to reach and impact others that they will know Christ and come to him as their Savior, their Lord, their God. Always be on the offense, the offense. Looking, speaking, attempting to influence others for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to shout, we want to sing, we want to applaud your son, to know him, to love him, to embrace these words, these truths, to live them out in the present, in the future. Father, enable us to do it, not only us, but all of your own everywhere, to the praise, Father, the praise of your glorious grace. Amen.